Good evening. I'm your host, and this is uncomfortable. I I really do enjoy um, being able to share these stories. I feel like it's really important um, for people to kind of share their stories to really kind of build up um, just like as many real experiences as possible. So it kind of helps to to quell the doubt that some people do have. I, I have to agree with you 100%. Um especially, I don't know, in today's culture, um, it, it seems that, that people are really quick to judge when you start talking about topics like this. Absolutely. And I have been obsessed with paranormal since about the age of five, which I think is pretty young <laughs> to, be, to be that, uh, that wrapped up into uh, this kind of weird stuff, and I, I've never figured out why and or even how, because back in those days, we didn't have the internet. Um, it wasn't like I was looking at stuff online. I wasn't going on to the, uh, the different on-demand channels and going back and watching reruns and stuff. You literally had to wait till the show was re-ran in order to see it again. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I guess that's where where I developed my passion for these kind of things. Yeah. And I think it's important I think it's important to provide a non-toxic environment for people to talk about this kind of stuff without feeling that they're being made fun of. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I'm glad you decided to get a hold of me. <laughs> and uh let's go ahead and get into your first account. All right. So my first kind of big experience um, happened in a little spot. It's kind of infamous in um, northwest Indiana. It's a little cemetery called Posey Chapel. Um, Most of the locals know about it, and um, it just kind of sits by itself. You know, there's nobody, you know, there's no gates or anything over there. Um, and me and my best friend, Emily, had read about it and decided to go and check it out because we both really enjoy just kind of the, the thrill of going to places after dark and, you know, doing little investigations and seeing if there's anything out there. Um, so we had gone 
kind of early evening just to kind of scope it out before it got too dark. Um, and the cemetery is really, really pretty. Um, it's a nice little kind of rolly hill plot of land. And um, we got out our cameras, uh, started filming, looking around, seeing what was there, seeing, you know, uh, how old some of the headstones were and that kind of a thing. And as it started getting dark, things started to kind of deteriorate. They started feeling a little bit off, um, but we just kept going with it. You know, we had a lot of adrenaline going. Um, and so we were walking towards the back of the cemetery and we started hearing pretty much as soon as the sun like dipped below the horizon, we started hearing weird noises in the woods um, on the side where there's a pavilion um, and we would hear like sticks can, breaking. Can you explain can you explain what the weird noises were? It just it sounds like how to describe it it sounds like somebody is sort of standing and shifting their weight because it wasn't really like a scuttling that was moving um, great distances or anything like that. It just kind of sounded like, you know, if that sound where you notice somebody's presence when they're in a room, when they like shift their weight, or if they're outside, they kind of step on the leaves and the twigs a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so those noises kept making us sort of, you know, glance over and kind of gasp and be like, oh, what was that? You know, what was going on? But we never saw anything. Um, so nothing really gave us alarm up to that point, um, until we had made our way to, um, the back of the cemetery. There's this really beautiful, um, gravestone that is a hand-carved wood, wood cross, um, that was for a, um, I believe a Vietnam veteran, um, and we were admiring it and, you know, just kind of talking about it and we heard this like single just blood curdling scream uh, across the field that was behind us and we both turned around and I was like Emily did you hear that and she kind of looked at me and she was like I kind of thought I made it up in my head so I wasn't going to say anything but since we had both heard it we just sort of stood there in silence staring out across the field trying to see if there was like somebody out there that was you know just messing with us or um, if there's anything that we could see, but at that point it was pretty dark. So there wasn't much that you could see that far away. Um, and that was when the energy kind of really shifted and we decided to kind of start wrapping up our filming at that point. And we were like, okay, the last part that we have to get is this pavilion and the whole area towards the front of the cemetery where the pavilion sits. And we knew um, sort of the, the legend of this place, which is that I believe in the late 1700s, early 1800s, there was a chapel there and it burned to the ground and the pastor at the time hung himself in the tree that was in front of the chapel. And now, where the foundation used to be, there's just an open pavilion there. And we were making our way towards the pavilion, and we realized that even with, 
we had flashlights that we were holding along with our cameras to provide extra light. And we realized that we had to get within like two to three inches of the, the wood pillars of the pavilion to even be able to see them because if we stepped any farther back, they just faded to black. You couldn't see anything on the cameras. So no detail at all. No detail. You had to be right up on it mm-hmm. for the, the camera to pick it up. Yes. And How strange. It was, it was bizarre. I've never really seen anything like that before. Um, and we kept, you know, kind of experimenting with it and seeing like, oh, maybe it's just, you know, we're like, there's just less light here somehow. Or, you know, maybe one of our lights is like just not bright enough or something. But no matter what we did, it was always you had to be within two or three inches to even begin to see the beam. And then when you could see the beam, you couldn't see the concrete floor behind it even with us shining the light on it you could only see the pillar and it would just stand out as like on the camera screen as you know just this wood pillar surrounded by black and that was it and it was really really spooky um can i ask yeah of course did you did you try to film anything else other than that to see if you could replicate the same effect yeah we actually we turned around because one of the graves had um little cacti growing kind of around it and um we had gotten up close to that and that you could see with the lights from you know even like two feet away we could be standing pretty far away from it and see it um and the um the grass all of the grass you could see it was it was just this pavilion and it was so bizarre because we had just been you know filming some of the more interesting gravestones on our way to the pavilion and we could see all of it you know from our eye level which is a few feet above the ground so it was just so strange that's very strange and when we entered the pavilion it was like it felt like there were walls there, even though there aren't. It just felt quieter, I suppose, is probably the best word. It just felt a little too quiet. Um, it added to the uneasy feeling that we both already had. Um, and then, of course, like the, it's the kind of place that like you know goofy teenagers will frequent and so there was this open box of granola bars on the floor that still had (laughs) all of the granola bars in it which was kind of weird um but we just kind of we really wanted to film the inside of the pavilion but you couldn't see any of it we would have to get like really close down to the ground to show the cement and then we had to you know kind of try to use both of our flashlights at once on one camera to try to see the ceiling and even then it was very grainy and just would not show up properly at all so we kind of gave up on that yeah it was it's bizarre and i were you guys having any kind of um any kind of malfunctions or anything with your equipment no no we actually didn't i think at that time we were both it was sort of like our first real you know filming investigation before we had just kind of gone by ourselves 
and you know just kind of felt it so out so you were you and your friend were literally out ghost hunting yes and it was i mean we we just had our phones at the time so it was just you know the phones on our camera with you know the lights that the camera has as well as our flashlights because we wanted to get a little bit of extra light to catch whatever we could um so it was even more kind of strange that these these cameras were not picking up anything even with um such a huge source of light so when we we were kind of finished you know looking around the inside of the pavilion we were both getting this growing um kind of urge to leave and we were becoming more and more uneasy and we couldn't figure out why because nothing too crazy had happened it was just these little Mm -hmm. strange things that we had noticed um and it wasn't until we went to see there's this huge rock that sits at the base of a tree um and it has an inscription uh about the chapel it's really really hard to read um i'm assuming because it's so old and uh when we got to that rock and we had finished kind of trying to read that inscription we both looked up and saw this the the bottom branch that kind of juts out from the tree and it's a it's a pretty thick branch and we that branch was just black on our camera screens we could not pick it up we could see like the trunk of the tree and we could see the rock at the bottom the big rock and some of the like leaves that were hanging over it but we just could not get our cameras to focus on that and then we just couldn't even get it to show up and that branch after we kind of realized what it must be we both just kind of felt sick and we felt like we shouldn't be there and that we needed to leave and what did you think what did you guys figure out that you thought it was we figured out that it was most likely the branch that the pastor had hung himself from. And it's kind of, it was kind of this like two or three step realization of seeing the inscription on the rock, seeing where the rock was in comparison to the branch. Because if a grown man stood on that rock and put a noose around his neck and stepped off of that rock, it sets up that whole situation unfortunately um and so we i'm sorry when you were back at the pavilion Mm -hmm. was was the pavilion built on the site of the church that had burned down yes so it it the site itself with the pavilion and that tree and that rock are very much like um kind of a replica of what was there before and of course, the, 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 the tree and the rock are both very clearly very old, so I'm assuming they were both there. But, and from just the feeling that we got once we had that realization, it, it just felt unmistakable. And um, we qu- quickly turned around to leave, and we heard, we heard a rock kind of fall from a tree or fall from somewhere up high and it hit about like three or four feet behind us just kind of smacked into the ground and we both just 
got these shivers up our spines. And Emily kind of looked at me and she was kind of a little bit in front of me and she just turned around. She was like, Abby, we need to go. She was like, the bad energy that I've been feeling for the past like hour or so is reaching a peak and we've got to get out of here. She's like, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm scared. Something's not right. We need to go. And I think you made the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm very glad that we, we decided to go. Um, and we, um, we did, we hopped right back in our car and, um, you know, headed back home and um the farther away we got the better we felt (laughs) and i don't know if that was just the relief from like oh goodness there's a train i'm sorry i live like a hundred feet from from the railroad (laughs) um but yeah we we weren't sure if it was just you know the relief of like getting away from that energy or if the energy was just kind of dissipating the farther that away that we got um and Emily is a very, very spiritual person. Um, she uh, she likes to go to cemeteries just to like feel for some of the graves that tend to feel more lonely, and she'll sit and talk to them. She just thinks that you know they need somebody there to you know look in on them and talk to them. Um, Oh, interesting. So when we do go to places like that, she's sort of like my guiding light when it comes to that, because I don't, other than, you know, feeling that level of negativity and unease, I don't really have that connection that she does. Um, and so... So she's some, somewhat of an empath. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, for her to turn around and have real fear in her eyes and say, we need to go, that's pretty serious. Um, and, uh, especially with, you know, a rock just sort of falling out of nowhere that kind of feels like, yeah, that's, that's really strange. Yeah. And so you, you guys had been out there for a good while, yeah, at least hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously from the sounds of it, you guys were, uh, being respectful in your investigation. You weren't doing anything that was, um, you know, you weren't trying to ruin the, ruin any of the gravestones or oh, or no. anything. You were just you were just there, trying to see what you can find. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we both have a great deal of respect for burial sites of all kinds, um, and uh, for respecting the dead and you know their families and and stuff like that. So whenever we go somewhere that is a burial site, we're always you know. We always talk very kindly of all of all of the graves, and um, we always try to not stand directly on top of them and that kind of a thing, and just stick to, you know, walkways or walking through. Um, but yeah, we're always very, very respectful when we go to these places. And the, the thing that strikes me as odd about your uh, your filming when the uh, the post of the pavilion and the branch of the tree typically modern day phones are designed so that they can film in a a variety of adverse conditions Mm -hmm. you know there's some phones that actually take really good video of uh, 
fireworks up in the sky and you know 10 years ago you would have used a cell phone to do that and it would have just been a, <laughs> a glowing blob yeah you sign like a an average young lady who what i would assume has got to have a top of the line phone or at least a, a really good phone mm-hmm. just like everybody wants and yeah i have for that to be the only two things that you could not focus on yes it seems very odd yeah that that still just it baffles me because I, I do I have a um a Galaxy S8 which is you know one of the newer Samsung phones and um right sure it uh it normally does very well at night I've never I had never had any problems there have been times where we've gone down like you know uh roads with you know urban legends and I'm able to point my phone out of a window of a moving car and still kind of see what's going on. But for some reason, at these spots, there was just nothing, and it was impossible to get enough light to really pick up anything. It was like these spots were just eating any light that we were shining on it. Yeah, that's strange. What about any investigation after that? Did you guys try to look into any kind of historical events to find out if it was true that the the pastor had hung himself yes we actually did um and from what we could tell the the chapel did burn down um the cause of the fire was unknown and a pastor did die very quickly afterwards but we were never able to establish what his cause of death was but it was very kind of vague in what um, some of the like clippings talked about. They were just like, oh, um, local pastor, blah, 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 dead at whatever age, um, just kind of he will be greatly missed moving on kind of thing. So it was kind of odd in that part of the investigation as well. Hmm. Interesting story. <laughs> And where was this located again? In northwestern Indiana, you said? Yep, yep. It is right, uh, it's in LaPorte County. It's right outside of uh, LaPorte itself. Have you been back there? We have been back, um, I think, two times now. Uh, The second time we went back, we took another friend with us because she was sort of razzing us about it. (laughs) And, you know, we were telling her our story, and she's like, no, no, you know, it can't be it can't be that crazy, it can't be that bad, you know. She's very skeptical, so we we brought her, and the moment she stepped out of the car, she refused to set foot in the actual site, to go pat, like, through the gate and towards the pavilion, which is sort of, it's only, like, a hundred feet away from the gate. Um, she sort of walked up to it, she looked around, it was, you know, sunset was sort of halfway over probably so there was still some light and she was just like no I don't want to go in there <laughs> and so we didn't make her go in there but Emily and I did a walk around and um still kind of felt uneasy but nothing like that first that first investigation and then we went back um late last year yeah it was late last year because it was kind of cold um and you know, did sort of a similar thing. We were like, all right, let's try to kind of replicate this and see if every time that we do this, we get that same amount of energy for snooping around. Um, and we got a very similar 
level of unease. And uh, we, I think we only spent about 35 minutes that time and just took off because it, it was just mixed with like the chill in the air and just that spot, the pavilion and that tree were just horrible. Did you try to replicate the, the filming? Yes. Yeah. And um, same thing. We just, we could really? not. Yeah. Wow. So you've been able to do it twice and get the same result. Yes. Yeah. The Eufy Video Lock takes the place of separate smart locks, security cameras, and doorbells all in one simple to install unit. A Phillips screwdriver was all I needed. The Eufy 330 Video Lock took me 20 minutes to install and there is no hard wiring necessary as it's powered by a 4 month rechargeable 10,000 mAh battery. The Eufy Video Locks are complete with fingerprint technology, passcode entry, physical keys, and free local storage for crystal clear 2K video. There is absolutely no contract nor the need for costly monthly monitoring subscriptions. The free Wi-Fi driven iOS and Android compatible apps let you have full control over your new Eufy video lock system in just a few clicks. Convenience and security are extremely important and the Eufy video lock delivers on both. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y video lock because as the host of uncomfortable podcast you just never know who or what will wind up at your front door visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock and get yours now that's eufy e-u-f-y very strange yeah it, it still freaks me out sometimes when i think about it and just you know because there's no answers really other than you know something is really really wrong with that spot yeah sometimes you got to be careful what you ask for yeah you know i know the the inquisitive nature of a lot of people especially with as many paranormal shows around tv nowadays and you know, you want to go out and experience something, and I, I was a victim of it myself. I took my uh, I took my kids to a, a very small local um, cemetery that was right on the outskirts of a, a small inland lake in north or in uh, southwest Michigan. It was our first attempt. You know, the kids constantly watching ghost adventures. And, <laughs> uh, they're like, "Let's go ghost hunting! Let's go ghost hunting!" And one weekend, they had a bunch of friends over, so we went. And uh, that was really all I needed to do because the amount of uh, um, the amount of evidence that we got was kind of staggering for just a couple of uh, bumbling parents and, <laughs> and kids. You know, it was it really was. I mean, we had a couple of pictures, uh, had a video of a. Uh, a blue orb that just came out of nowhere near the top of a, a monument. Oh, wow. And uh, kind of whisked around for a, a split second or two and then just darted off and disappeared. Cold spots and uh, even a, a, a small EVP that I, uh, I never told my son about. He was, I don't know, maybe 13 or 14. And... Uh, I was really proud of him because he, he kind of went off on his own 
and he was using the voice recorder on his iPhone. And as he was walking away from me, I could hear him say, you know, if there's anybody here that wants to get a message out. And then he kept walking away from me, and I was I was proud of him that he was not so scared that he would have to stay with me. And uh, after we after we got home, and uh, I put that voice message on my phone on on the computer and played it back, I'd never told him about it because I thought this would just freak him out. <laughs> it was a hushed voice, and it basically said, "You shouldn't be here." Oh, oh wow! And it wasn't it wasn't in a threatening manner. It wasn't uh, ominous. I almost kind of get the feeling when I listen to it, you know, you can't really tell if it's a a man or a woman. It's kind of a little on the raspy side, but, you know, watching all these paranormal shows, it was was a a much better recording than a lot of what they say they've gotten. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just just always kind of got the impression like it was an elderly lady that was not really being mean, but saying, you know, you shouldn't be here. Wow. And uh, it wasn't until, I mean, he's like 23, almost 24 now. And uh, you know, I've told him in the past couple of years, but I didn't tell him back then because I didn't want to ruin him. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> so that's a very interesting story. I'm not that far from Laporte. That, that sounds like maybe a, a road trip. Yeah, yeah. I'd I be mean, interested to see that. As long as you, you know, you're aware of what's there and what's possible i think yeah it would be a fascinating place for you to check out yeah well interesting what else do you have for us um my my other experience which was a little bit more it was a little bit more scary because it was a little bit more personal i suppose um once again me and my friend emily we had set out on a road trip to Primrose Road, which is this sort of legendary stretch of road um, outside of South Bend, I believe, and it's a. I live very, very close to Primrose Road. Yes, it's um, I, I we had read a lot about it, and we were just like, yeah, that seems like fun, you know, and we'll we'll see if there's anything because we seem to be magnets for whatever is possible out there, and. Uh, you know, we drove down the road and we did, you know, all of the different things that different stories recommended from like turning off your lights to driving a specific miles per hour and, you know, all that stuff. And we didn't really, you know, we didn't really have anything happen. So, um, I was like, well, I don't want this trip to just sort of be us driving down this road for 10 minutes when it took us, you know, 35, 40 minutes to get here. So, uh, I looked up, I just went on Google Maps, and I was like, what cemeteries are near here? Let's go, you know, you can go talk to your lonely, your lonely graves. And uh, I found this little itty-bitty cemetery, and I can't, I can't even recall the name of it, um, but I could, you know, if I Google Maps it, I could find it. But uh, we decided to head that way. We found it, it was like five minutes away. Pulled into the parking lot, this cute little, you know, white chapel, um, and we got all of our gear out. At this point, we had sort of amassed some gear because we wanted to continue to do investigations, and we wanted to do 
better investigations than just, you know, having our phones. And um, so she got a camera that had night vision on it, and we had that fully charged. We had our phones, we had extra flashlights, we had um, voice recording equipment, and we were just sort of, you know, ready to go to, you know. Oh, you were loaded for bear. Yeah. (laughs) And so we got everything. Uh, We got our backpacks, all the stuff, and we had everything out. We started heading for the gate. The minute that we got to the gate, and we're about to enter, the camera just makes the noise that it had died and then just shut off. And we were like, that's not possible. This thing has been charging all day. There's no way that it could die in the 40 minutes it took to get here. That's just not possible. And so Emily was like fiddling around with it. I decided to sort of like walk inside and get a feel for the place. And she comes back in. She goes, oh, yeah, it's fine now. It's got full battery. I got it back on. I don't know what that was. And so we were just kind of like, oh, okay. And, you know, got the camera back to night vision, started filming um, on all of our devices. And um, really, we're just, you know, wandering around trying to get a feel for the place. Um, There were a lot of, like, really big kind of spindly trees in like scattered around um and there were a lot of graves that were like kind of jutting sideways because of the roots of the trees so that was kind of interesting um but for the most part we didn't feel hardly anything we were just kind of fascinated by this little tiny cemetery that had you know separate plots like um you could tell that certain you know families had certain sections and stuff like that um But then Emily was like, okay, I'm getting a sort of uh, lonely feeling from this grave. I want to talk to her. And so I just kind of, you know, zipped my lip and I sat down and let her do her thing. She lit a little tea light candle and she just was having this friendly kind of (laughs) Q&A with this this woman. And uh, she was like, well, I think that's all I've got. And she had turned on her voice recording for it as well. Does she? Does your friend? Does she have a process of of how she chooses who she's gonna try to from console? From what I can tell, she just like she reads their names, and if she elicits some sort of feeling from reading the name out loud, um, that's kind of how she she chooses. So she'll like see she'll see you know an interesting. Uh, headstone and she'll read the name off and sometimes she'll look at me and just kind of be like oh that's a cool name and sometimes she'll look at me and she'll be like oh this person's lonely or like oh this person was angry or something like that and um she's she's very intuitive and very rarely is she wrong from my experience with her um with with the living as well as the the past yes yes yeah she um it's not uncommon for her to, you know, will be, you know, going antiquing or going into different shops and she'll, you know, she'll, we'll get into a conversation with the owners and she'll be like, you know, she'll be like, oh, are you, you know, are you having a rough day? And the owner will be like, you know what? Yeah, today's been really stressful. And Emily's like, oh, yeah, I can I can tell, you know, but, it's, it, you know, things will get better, blah, blah, blah. And she'll just kind of, you know, try to make their day better. And 
yeah. almost every time somebody's like, you know what? Something did happen today. <laughs> and so oh. she she normally likes to use it just so that she can sort of find people that are, you know, having a rough time and just kind of give them some encouragement. And, you know, she does the same thing with um, with the dead when we go to different burial sites. Um well, it's very admirable. Of yeah, her. yeah, I I love watching her work. Honestly, it's it's really nice, and she's just so genuine with it that sometimes she gets she gets some goofy questions, you know, that she decides to ask because she just feels like they're right. And she'll be like, she'll be like, you know what? You feel like the kind of person that has a small dog. Do you have a small dog? <laughs> and it's just you know goofy <laughs> stuff like that. And so she had finished talking to this woman and she was like, all right, thank you so much, you know, for talking to me. And she was like, hopefully I can hear some of your responses later. That, that'd be really cool. And, um, so, so she's recording with mm -hmm. a, a, a mic, a mic for EVPs. Correct? Yes. Um, so she blows out the tea light candle, kind of closes herself off and she was like, yeah, that was really nice. You know, this is, well, this was a good time. And she was like, I want to find another one. She's like, I can't just do one. I want to go to this like back section that's kind of away from all the lights and all of the smaller headstones are out there. And so we walk back there and she finds a headstone in a row of like six um, identical ones. And they're just very small rectangles, barely above the ground. And she sees the one... And it's like chipped and cracked like straight down the middle and it's the only one the other ones are pretty much pristine aside from like i think there was moss growing on one and she was like i want to talk to this woman and i was like okay and so i just do my thing where i just i step back i sit down and i let her kind of do her thing she lit her little tea light candle and she started asking questions and after about probably a minute, I looked over and she was looking at me very confused. And I was like, Emily, what's going on? And she was like, I don't know. I feel really weird. I feel like I might pass out. And I was like, are you okay? You know, what's going on? Are you just too cold? Did something happen? You know? And she was like, no, I just, I don't feel right. I, I don't think I should have talked to this woman. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I was like, do what you have to do to like close yourself off and, um, you know, blow out the candle, do, do your ending, you know, and we'll just, we'll just move on. And so she does her ending and. So she literally closes her, her conversations with the, mm -hmm. the spirit. Yes. And she does her best to kind of put sort of, she calls it kind of like her own neutral barrier kind of up so that anything else can recognize that like she's done and there's you know there's nothing else to say she's not going to do anything to them they don't need to do anything to her to communicate or anything else it seems to me that if she she goes through that process has she ever told you that she's had something entered a conversation with her that she was not expecting that it sounds like a deliberate it sounds like a deliberate thing to me if you're going to make sure that you close off your conversations and put up a barrier that nothing else can come mm -hmm. 
I would think there's a reason for that. Perhaps she's had that happen in the past. She actually had just, she's always done that. Um, she is, she's always been very spiritual. She's identified as Wiccan since she was about 10 or 11 years old. And so she's always, you know, been very guarded when it comes to things like that because she, and she didn't even get involved really with um, talking to anybody until, you know, she felt like she was ready for it because she knew how dangerous it could be. Um, so she, she's always just done that process as a precaution. Um, I, up until this point, actually, she hadn't had an experience that warranted her doing that. But this one was the one that kind of cemented in why she needs to do that yeah because um after we had walked away and she was starting to feel better when i because i was sort of helping her walk because she was just like she was so out of it and so confused and she was like kind of pale um and i was helping her walk and her hands were just frozen and clammy and it was cold outside but they were they were cold and she was shaking um and when we got sort of back towards where the entrance was, she was like, Abby, something, something really bad happened to that woman. She was very upset. And she was like, she wasn't really upset with me, but she didn't, she had something to say. And she was like, I wasn't ready to hear it. So I, I needed to close off, but I just, I couldn't because she needed to tell me something. And, um, she was like, whatever she was going to tell me was really bad. And she was like, I just, I, I can't deal with it. So... She was like, I was trying to close off, but I just couldn't. And that's why I was looking at you because I just, I could not, the, the, my neutral barrier just was not working. And she was like, I was trying really hard to not make it aggressive or a negative. I was trying so hard to keep it neutral to say, you know, I, I just can't, you know. Wow. And, um, actually me sort of talking to her and shifting the focus and adding my own, random energy, whatever mine was or is, um, sort of shifted the focus enough for both of them that she was able to sort of break away and then we could walk away. Um, and she, I, she was ready to leave after that, understandably. Um, and so we made sure we had everything. We weren't leaving anything behind and we headed for the car and we threw everything in the trunk and, um, hopped in and as soon as we closed the doors we both of our ears popped at the same time and we both looked at each other and said my ears popped like at the same time and we were like how does that happen it's not like we're up on a hill you know we were just this didn't happen when we you know arrived here it didn't happen when we were walking so what in the world why was the pressure so heavy and we just kind of laughed it off because we were there wasn't really an explanation for it and so we were like oh maybe that's just you know some weird natural phenomena of this area um and got ready to leave we uh pulled out normal drive home um until we got about five minutes away from her house we were on a highway and this highway has been under construction for like a year and a half and so there's always like traffic cones and stuff everywhere 
and we were driving on the leftmost lane right next to the um the median which was like a concrete barrier and all of a sudden she gasps we both i turn and look at the the highway and a skunk had just like appeared out of nowhere and you know she tried to like break and swerve and not hit it but she hit it and we were both like what in the world where did that come from how did it get all the way in the left lane without us noticing she had her brights on there's like reflective stuff everywhere and so we just kind of went in silence for a few minutes and we're like kind of nervously trying to laugh it off and like feeling bad and kind of giggling because the smell hit us and we were just like woof that's bad and then um we were just, you know, kind of getting over it and being like, oh, this is horrible. We hit a skunk, but, you know, there wasn't any way to avoid it. And I had, like, reached up to wipe my nose, and I came down, and my hand was just covered in blood. And I was very confused, and I was like, Emily, I have a bloody nose, and I don't know why. And she's like, what? Is it your allergy season? And I was like, no, I haven't had allergies, like, in weeks. I don't know <laughs> what's going on. And so we're scrambling, trying to find like a tissue or a napkin or something, because I don't want to get blood all over everything. And so I had like my hand cupped under my nose and it was just, you know, steady dripping. And I, before she handed me a napkin, I had like a pretty decent puddle in my palm. And I was like, I never get bloody noses like this. They're always, you know, like kind of a little dribble just from it being dry or from my allergies and they mm -hmm. go away in like a minute. But this one just kept going, and I was soaking through this napkin. On the way home, I ended up having to use, like, two. And we pulled into her driveway, and I was like, Emily, what is going on? This is a lot of blood. I don't know what in the world. And she was like, Abby, I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out as soon as we get inside. And so we walked inside her house, and the minute I, like, stepped over the threshold, I ran to the bathroom, but... Um, it had just stopped like completely and I held um I went into the bathroom I got a tissue and I held it to my nose and there was absolutely nothing it was just like my bloody nose had never happened what about your hand was there was the blood gone off of your hand or was it still there from when it happened no it was still there my hand was still very oh, much okay. streaked in blood but it was just very odd that you know because normally but it just shut off yeah and and when I you know went to like kind of ball up the tissue a little bit and make like a little point so I could like stick it up my nostril uh it came back just nothing <laughs> there's just there was no like residual and I was like Emily this is really weird and I why is this why did this happen and why did it stop when we got back to your house I'm very confused and she was like Abby uh, honestly I think it was because of, you know, just the overall vibes that were from that cemetery. She was like, something tried talking to me that I did not want to talk to, but they really wanted to talk to me and they were very upset. And she was like, I think maybe that just sort of stayed with us, you know? And she's like, I think we're okay now. She's like, I don't feel anything. So hopefully, you know, we're okay. But that, that experience still sticks with me, um, just because it feels like, you know, I was followed almost, yeah. you know? That is unusual. And 
I'll throw this out that in the past month, five weeks, that I have been doing these uh, uncomfortable episodes, I have had more bloody noses Oh wow! than I've probably had in my entire life. Oh my goodness. It's been winter. It's dry. I get all that. Mm-hmm. But... It has been very odd. Yeah. there's. It, it's sort of like, you know, you have this expected amount because of what's happened to you in the past, you know? And so when it deviates from that and it's way more, it's so noticeable and it makes you really uneasy to notice. The one thing I will say is about your experience with Primrose Road. I don't know which road you came in on. Mm -hmm. The main way that most people would go is down Adams Road. And Adams is a very hilly road. A lot of ups and downs. But just prior to the time that you get to Primrose, to turn left onto Primrose Road, you go up a pretty substantial hill. Mm. That area is at a, a pretty good elevation compared to the rest of the the area. Oh. So, it's possible that that had something to do with your ears popping. Oh, okay. That does make sense. That actually is relieving. <laughs> now, I'll tell you that Primrose Road was a, a favorite haunt of mine when I was a younger man. And uh, I had one particular friend that he and I used to uh, we used to go out together, and if we hadn't had any luck meeting any ladies, we'd usually just drive around and try to find scary, spooky areas. And we had been out to Primrose Road a dozen times if we'd been out there once. And if you follow Adams to the point where you turn onto Primrose, there is a very large boulder almost the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. And throughout the years, teenagers and such have poured gallons of red paint over that boulder. Mm -hmm. And if you talk to anybody who knows anything about Primrose Road, they'll tell you that there was a farmer or a preacher who eventually ended up killing two children. And buried them in the ground and then moved that boulder over the top of it so the cans of red paint are to signify the the blood of the children that are underneath there oh, wow. and as you drive down primrose which is pretty much just a dirt gravel road um, there's a, a considerably swampy area on uh, on the side of the road and the other side is just timber it's woods and as you get to about the end of it, it, it used to be a, it used to be fun to, like if we'd meet a couple of girls out while we were cruising, we'd take them out there. And then my friend had a ignition on his car that was just a toggle switch. And we'd get halfway down the road and eat at that toggle switch and it would shut off his car and the lights would go out and, you know, the girls would scream. <laughs> and, you know, it was just good fun. But this one night in particular, when he and I drove out there, 
we'd gotten almost to the end of the road and that road uh, it's not the end of the road but you come to a curve and that curve kind of goes up a steep grade to the right and you pretty much have to slow down when you get to that curve and when we got to it I looked off to the left hand side out the driver's window and there's a huge oak tree that used to sit there right on the right as the curve started and there was an older gentleman in white pants and a white shirt sitting on the ground leaning up against the tree lighting a cigarette and to me it looked like a real guy mm-hmm. my friend in the in the passenger seat he literally took his leg and lifted it over my con- my center console and stepped on the gas he says what he saw was not a real person oh, wow. he said what he saw was was an apparition to me the person looked like flesh and blood now i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you this there are not a lot of houses there and this was like at 11 30 at night oh wow why this guy would have been why this guy would have been leaning up against that tree smoking a cigarette and sitting on the ground in white pants and a white shirt i can't answer that yeah but to, but to me, he looked like a flesh and blood person. But you ask my friend Kevin, and he will swear to this day that that was a ghost. Wow. That's my Primrose story. <laughs> I think we need to go back there, me and Emily. <laughs> make sure you have a full tank of gas. And make sure you've had your car service so it doesn't die while you're out there. <laughs> yeah. But if you do go back, take Adams Road when you go to it. Okay. It's a it's a super simple road to find. That will get you Adams Heads West. And then you'll take a left down onto Primrose, and that's where you'll find the giant boulder. It's been a lot of stories about that area. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been forever. I mean, I can remember hearing about it before I was old enough to drive. Yeah. And so... Any other, any other experiences you wanted to share while you were out? Um, no, I think that's about it. I haven't, um, I haven't really had any, any other experiences quite yet. I've only been, you know, going out ghost hunting for just a couple of years. And, you know, with everything that's happened in, in 2020, uh, I just haven't had time haven't been out so (laughs) (laughs) hopefully there will be more well if you get back up this way um, look into Morris Chapel as well okay Uh, that's another uh, another very storied location Abby I appreciate you contacting me it's been a pleasure having you on the show in closing I'd like to thank you the listener Support for the show is growing weekly. The show is now on social media. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, all at Uncomfortable Podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave a review. They help the show tremendously with getting it out to more listeners. In return, I will give the reviewers a personal shout-out on an upcoming episode of Uncomfortable. 
And please continue to email your experiences to contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.